Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here today. And uh, thank you for worshiping online. If you're joining us online today, we are glad to open up God's Word with you. Can we just thank our worship team for doing such a great job every week, uh, just leading us in worship. Uh, so today we are wrapping up our uh, series on the family, on making home work, and we've covered a lot of ground, and we've heard a lot of great response from you about how this is ministering to your family in very trying times, difficult times, and so I hope that it's been a blessing and an encouragement uh, to you. We've covered a lot. Uh, we, we talked about, uh, I think the first one, uh, we talked about that God has a plan, that there is a plan that God created. We looked at Genesis 2, and God's plan and how he created men and women equal in every way in the image of God, yet uh, complementary roles. And we talked about what that is, God's plan for making homework. Then we said, okay, so why isn't it working then? And we looked at Genesis 3 and that we found out we have a spiritual enemy. And that's where we said we learned that every marriage problem is at the core of a spiritual problem because we have a spiritual enemy attacking the family. And then we said, okay, so how should we then move forward from there? And so we talked about the principle of honor in the next week and how honor helps us to make homework and putting that into practice and said in fact we said uh, that uh, honor is the single most important principle for healthy relationships and so we broke that out and what that looks like so today we're going to talk about okay what happens when we don't honor as we should when maybe somebody doesn't honor us as we should how do we respond and that is what we're going to talk about today and that is wrapped up in one word forgiveness all right so if honor is the single most important principle for healthy relationships then forgiveness is really the single most important practice for healthy relationships that we have to learn to practice forgiveness and uh, we're going to talk about what that means. Ruth Graham, the, the wife of the famous evangelist Billy Graham, uh, once said, a happy marriage is a union of two good forgivers. Do you agree with that? Uh, if you've been married for a while, do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, we, we get the opportunity to practice uh, forgiveness on a daily basis uh, in, in family. And I believe that's uh, how God works that out in our lives. And so I want to kind of nail down a main idea for you uh, here today. And that is that lasting relationships practice forgiveness. Write that down. Lasting relationships practice forgiveness. What that means is if you want your marriage to last, if you want your relationship with your parents to last, if you want a friendship that lasts, it's only going to last to the degree that you're willing to practice forgiveness because there's going to be hurt, there's going to be offense, there's going to be problems and so we need to learn uh, to practice uh, forgiveness. Uh, Jesus made a statement in John 13, 17 that's really important. He said this, he said, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now think about that in the context of forgiveness. Many of you know some things about forgiveness. You probably heard some sermons on forgiveness. You might have written, read a book on forgiveness. You, you, if I called you out, you could probably come up with a verse or two about forgiveness. You know some things about forgiveness. I have preached many sermons on forgiveness. In fact, several years ago, I wrote a whole book on forgiveness. And yet, you know what I'm learning? I'm learning that every day, I have to learn to practice forgiveness. See, it's not enough to know about forgiveness or even know that I should forgive, but I have to practice it. 
And Jesus said, blessed are you when you put these things into practice. The blessing of God comes on your life, not in what you know, but in what you practice. And so we're going to be talking today about forgiveness, practicing uh, forgiveness. So get your Bible out, open it up. Let's do what we do every, every week. We open up our Bible and we study what God says. Amen. So uh, Ephesians chapter 4, only two verses, verses 31 and 32 is where we're going to be today. So while you're turning there, let me kind of set the stage of what's happening here. Ephesians 4 is a very beautiful chapter. Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. These are new Christians. These are people that were very far from God. They heard the gospel, much like you and me, very far from God, uh, irreligious in many cases, and, and heard the gospel and became new people in Christ, a new creature in Christ, and they were changed. I mean, they heard the gospel, they were made new. And so in chapter four, what he's doing is he's drilling down on that and he's saying, listen, because you are new, because you're a new person, you need to take off these old habits and the things you used to do and the way you used to act, the way you used to treat people, the things you used to chase after, take those things off and put on the new. In other words, start living like the new person that you are in Christ. Uh, when you gave your life to Christ, you became a new person. But we have to make a choice that theologians call this sanctification. The change, the gradual change where we're more and more taking off our old habits, the way we used to live, and we're more and more looking like, acting like, and, and pleasing the Lord Jesus. And uh, so he's challenging them in that regard through this whole chapter. I wish I had time to preach the whole chapter because it's great. That's your homework for this week. Read the chapter, chapter 4, okay? But he closes out the chapter with these words. Beginning in verse 31, this is the word of God. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you, along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now I want you to uh, underline the phrase forgiving one another. This part of the new Christian life, this part of the change that God uh, makes in you. When you come to Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus, one of the things that he changes is that we begin to learn to forgive one another. Just for the record, this is not an optional thing in Jesus' mind. It's not like, okay, you get the grace plan. Now, if you wanted the bonus plan, that includes forgiving other people. No, no, no. This is part of the package that when you come to faith in Christ, that part of following Jesus means following him in the way of forgiveness. In fact, if you just do a cursory look at what Jesus says about forgiveness, you'll see that. Let me, let me give you a couple of references here. Mark 11, verse 25. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, that's pretty comprehensive, don't you agree? Anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoings. In other words, if you come to church and you stand and you're singing this song, uh, his mercy is more, his mercy is more, and in the middle of singing that, you're reminded that somebody did you wrong this week in a business deal, or your husband said something uh, hateful to you, or your kids re respond a certain way, or your friend did this to you, and in that moment, you're reminded of the offense. He said, in that moment, you are to forgive them. 
In fact, he repeats this multiple times. Luke 6, verse 37 says this. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So there's this, there's this relationship between us forgiving and us being forgiven. And let me make this really clear. Forgiveness is not the plan of salvation. In other words, I'm not being saved in, while I'm forgiving other people. My, my forgiveness in others is not me being saved. All right? It is not the plan of salvation, but it certainly is the proof of salvation. When I am saved, when I am new, when I am changed, that one of the things God changes in me is the willingness to forgive. The willingness to extend forgiveness to those who have hurt and wounded me. Jesus is very clear on forgiveness. You cannot follow Jesus and refuse to forgive. There, there's, there's, it's not a gray area. It's not confusing. There's no loopholes or no exceptions. Uh, this is the way that Jesus tells us to live. This is the walking, the Christian life. Let me give you one more uh, from Jesus. Luke 18, verse 21 and 22. Luke 18, the whole chapter is really about forgiveness for the most part. Let me give you these two verses. When Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, Peter's like, okay, Jesus, I hear you talking about forgiveness. I, I pick it up that this is important to you, Jesus, all right? So I'm gonna, I need to forgive. But man, how many times do I have to go through this? How many times do I need to forgive? And I think he's, he's probably thinking he's very benevolent. So seven times? Uh, that would be really over the top, wouldn't it? Seven times? And he goes, no, 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 70 times seven. See, what's happening is Peter's wrestling with this issue of forgiveness. Some of you are wrestling with an issue of forgiveness. Let's just be honest. The fact that I'm talking about this right now is unsettling to you. And it's because there are some people in your life that you have not yet fully forgiven. Maybe a parent that mistreated you or abused you or neglected you or continues to degrade you. Maybe a child that has broken your heart over and over and over. Uh, maybe it's a, uh, a, a business partner or a friend that stabbed you in the back. Maybe it's somebody in the church that you've gotten sideways with and it's just not good. And, and deep down in your heart, you know, even, not, even now the Holy Spirit is pointing out, you know, you really have not clearly forgiven that person. I think many times people struggle with forgiveness because they have some misunderstandings about forgiveness. And honestly, I could do a whole message just on the misunderstandings of forgiveness. I don't have time today to really cover all that. But there are some things that we get in our mind that are forgiveness that really are not. For example, let me just kind of give you kind of a rapid fire uh, list of them. One is that uh, many people think forgiveness is weakness. If I forgive someone, then I'm, showing, I'm in a posture of weakness now and, 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 and unforgiveness is strength, right? Or if I ask for forgiveness, I'm putting myself in a weak position and I don't want to be weak in their eyes and so I refuse to forgive. Other people think of weakness as minimizing the sin as if, if I forgive them, then I'm saying it's okay what you did to me and that certainly is not the case. But many times we think, man, if I forgive them, then I'm saying it's okay what they did or minimizing what they did. 
some people think that forgiveness is really letting them off the hook, right? Well, I, I forgive them and they're kind of off the hook as if they feel like they're on the hook anyway. You know, many people, they've offended you and they've moved on with their life. You're the one that's on the hook, right? Because you're still holding on to this thing where they've long since left it behind. But we think, well, I'm letting them off the hook if I forgive them and that's not, that's not the case. Some people think that forgiveness is an emotion and I can only forgive to the degree that I feel like forgiving and so I don't really feel like forgiving that person so I'm okay not to forgive them. Others believe that forgiveness really only happens when that person acknowledges their offense and comes to me and asks for forgiveness. Only then am I obligated to forgive them when certainly that's not the case. The scripture tells us over and over to forgive just as the verses I've just read. So all of those are misconceptions about forgiveness. So you're saying, well, then what is forgiveness, all right? That's really important for us to nail this down. So let me, let me try to give you a clear statement about what forgiveness actually is, okay? Forgiveness is releasing an offense to God and then releasing the offense to, the, to that person. It, it's at the core, forgiveness is about release. It's the fact that I'm not going to carry this around anymore. I'm not going to hold on to this anymore. I'm not going to keep going over. I'm going to allow this to continue to define me and, and haunt me. Think about unforgiveness as like a big pile of rocks you have in a bag and you carry it over your shoulder. And every day you're carrying this, this heavy load of unforgiveness that's ever present. It's always on your mind. It's always on your heart. It's churning inside of you. And finally one day you release your fingers and the load drops to the ground and you have released it. At the core, forgiveness is freedom for you. At the core, it's release. At the core, it, it is the way God has designed us to put our past in our past and to move forward in forgiveness. That's how God has designed forgiveness to work. And so, forgiveness is really, really important. Now, you may say, well, why would I do that? Why would I choose to release this offense toward this other person and release it to God? Why would I choose to do that? Well, let me give you a couple reasons. One is a theological reason, and this is important for us to think biblically, amen? Think theologically. One is that we believe that God is just. And if God is just, then he is the one that will make the wrongs right. And he is the one and only the one that can really deal with this problem in a just way. God knows the motives, God knows the heart, God knows everything about what happened to you, and God will uh, deal with it justly, right? I think about Romans chapter 12, verse 9, where he said, vengeance belongs to me. It doesn't belong to you. It's, it's not your job, it's not my job to judge another person or to exercise vengeance anyway. That's God's job, and God will do it perfectly, perfectly, justly, as only he can do. So I release it to God because he alone is the only one that can really do justice in this situation. Another reason why I release it is because, now follow me here, when I extend the grace of forgiveness to another person, only then am I able to receive the grace of God to be healed from that offense, from that wound. It's interesting, the word forgive or forgiveness in this passage, verse 32, karizomai uh, is, the, is the Greek word and its core, the root of that word is the same word charis which means grace. So it is an act of grace to forgive but only in forgiving other people am I then receiving the grace of God to heal. And if you really want to heal from the hurts of your past, you have to release it. 
You can't ever find healing holding on to the pain and the offense of the past. So I do it because I want to be healed. I, I want to experience the grace of God and healing in my own life. But really another reason to forgive, and, and maybe this is uh, uh, one of the more um, substantial reasons, is that the consequences of not forgiving are just too great. The alternative to forgiveness, that is not forgiving, is just incredibly too great. It is much, much, much too high a price. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, this week I had an experience that I really wouldn't wish on anybody. I had a root canal. Isn't that exciting? Something you just really look forward to doing. Amen? How many of my root canal brothers and sisters are out there? I mean, oh, there's my new tribe right here. The root canal people, right? And, and the reason why I did that is because I had this, this tooth that had been bothering me off and on for like six months, nine months. And I've been dragging my feet on it. Finally, like, I got to do something. I go to the doc. He goes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure enough, you got some inflammation in there. This thing's got to, you got to deal with that. And so I'm like, doc, why do I need to do that? Because it, it's going to get infected. Then if it gets infected, that infection can go through your whole body. I mean, this can be a dangerous thing you need to get this taken care of right in the same way that I had to deal with this tooth problem this root canal in the same way if you do not deal with these areas of unforgiveness in your life it will create an infection that will spread through your whole life it will spread through your whole life and you say well Craig what are you talking about well I'm talking about verse 31 is what I'm talking about if you look at, at Ephesians 4, everybody loves verse 32, right? Uh, forgive one another just as God has forgiven you in Christ. We love that, but you got to back up to verse 31 to understand the alternative to forgiveness. If you do not forgive, then what happens? And, and Paul lists here for us the infections that just flow through, permeate through our life if we choose not to forgive. He gives a terrible list. Look at it. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander be removed from you along with all malice. Let's look at these one time. Bitterness. This comes from the word picross, which means uh, sharp or harsh or repugnant. Uh, bitterness is the irritable state of mind uh, that brings a person to a harsh opinion uh, of others. It's a negative opinion, critical spirit, always looking at the downside of things. That comes out of a heart of uh, bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, watch out. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A poisonous root. Just imagine some poisonous ivy, you know, in your backyard or some poisonous root that if you touch it, it will infect you. He said, that's what bitterness is like. When Liz and I bought our first house, it was an ugly house. I'll just go ahead and admit it. It was an ugly house. All right, now we painted it, we, we spruced it up, but nevertheless, it was what it was. And we loved it, it was our first house. But we had this tree next to our house that had a very superficial root system. And, and as, as years went by, that, those roots began to push on the foundation of this house and did significant foundation damage. I mean, we had to fix it before we could sell it. Now listen, the same thing is true with this root of bitterness. It will push on the foundation of your home, your family, and it will create great, great damage. Root of bitterness, 
critical spirit, negativity that comes out of harboring unforgiveness. Here's another thing, anger and wrath. We've covered this in our emotion series, but anger is kind of that simmering anger, kind of like stoking a fire. If you've ever built a fire out in the country somewhere and you're just stoking it to keep it alive, some people just stoke this anger all the time. Can you believe she said that? Look at how she acts. Look at what he did. Look how they are. What? Look at them on Facebook. Look at how they're tweeting that. Look at that. And they're just constantly stoking this anger toward that person. Wrath is thumos, which means explosive anger. Eventually, there's an eruption of some kind, and it comes out in in anger in how uh, you feel toward that person. Listen, anger and wrath can be incredibly, incredibly destructive. Incredibly destructive. You know, I was thinking about, uh, well, let's go on to the next one. Shouting, clamor. Some version, look at your version, it may say clamor. Uh, mine says shouting. Uh, it really means the screams of a person demanding their way. Someone who is angry, they have bitterness, they have anger and wrath, and now they're shouting. And it's loud voices and accusations and threats and cursing. That's all what's coming out of this heart that is rooted in unforgiveness. Uh, last Easter, we, uh, we were online only and so uh, after that service I remember going out on our back patio and I'm just thinking you know it's Easter Sunday and just enjoying the moment of Easter Sunday and it was a beautiful day and I was standing on my back patio and then I could hear very faintly I could hear shouting coming from a, a neighboring house and it was angry loud shouts coming through the walls all the way over into our backyard And my heart was grieved because I thought, oh, how terrible on Easter Sunday to have such anger inside of you. That's that's that shouting accusation. It's your fault. And listen, this shouting, this clamor also goes over into uh, slander uh, to speak uh, negatively uh, of someone to others. So now not only am I telling you that you're no good, I'm telling everybody else that he's no good, all right? So when your name comes up, then they just let you have it, all right? Of, uh, well, that person, he's a, he's a loser or she's this or he's that and everybody knows it and it's, it's slandering everyone around that person. And then lastly is malice. Malice is the worst. Uh, if all these are bad, malice is the worst. Malice literally means uh, vicious disposition. A vicious disposition. Uh, you can also put the word spite next to it. In other words, uh, malice means you hurt me and I'm going to hurt you back. I'm going to make you feel what I feel. Uh, you did this to me and I'm going to do this to you and I want you to suffer and I want you to pay for it. And, and that's this vicious attacking attitude. Man, that's an ugly list, isn't it? Bitterness, anger, wrath, uh, shouting, slander, malicious intent. All that happens inside. This is the infection that starts pouring into your heart when you refuse to forgive. And look at what he says about it. He says, uh, these things, they need to, quote, be removed from you. That's in the passive, which means that you can't remove it yourself. In other words, you can't, you can't say, well, I just got to, I don't know how to get this bitterness out of me. I don't know how to get this anger out of me. I don't, you're right. You don't know how to do it because you can do it on your own. It has to be done for you. 
Just like I couldn't fix my tooth problem on my own. I wasn't asking Liz to get a mirror, you know. I can fix this on my own in the garage. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. I need to go to somebody that can fix this problem for me. And the only person that can fix this problem for you is Jesus. He can take away your anger. He can remove the bitterness in your heart. He can take away this this desire to hurt back. Listen, I'm not telling you to forgive because I'm up here going, yo, this is easy and you need to be done. No, no. You understand, I, I, I'm your pastor and I love you. And you'll never experience the grace of God and the goodness of God unless you learn to release this to the Lord. In fact, not only will he remove these bad things from you, he'll put some good things in its place. Look at verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. That word kind means, it's a weird combo word. It means to actually be good and to serve another person. <laughs> to, 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 in goodness, serve another person. Compassion sometimes is translated tender-hearted. Literally, it means to be moved with compassion towards someone else, to feel what someone else feels, even that person who has offended you. Listen, God wants to remove these toxins in your life. And he wants to replace it with compassion and with tenderness and with forgiveness. And you may say, well, Craig, I, I see that. That's me. I, I need this removed. I need to deal with this issue. Listen, if you look at all the rage and anger and bitterness and slander and all these things, shouting, all this kind of stuff that he mentioned, if you drill down, drill down through it, keep drilling down, drilling down to the very bottom of it, then what you'll find is an offense that's been sitting there for far too long. A pain that's been there for far too long. So how do I pull that out? Well, let me give you uh, three things that you can do to actually put forgiveness to work to actually begin the work of forgiveness. I'm not saying that these things are easy. They're easy to understand. They're difficult to do, but by God's grace, he will empower us to do them, amen? So here's the first thing. First thing you need to do is to name it. To name it, to name the person, to name the pain. What I mean is that this week, you need to get alone with God and pull out a piece of paper and start filling out this piece of paper and writing down the name of the person and what the offense was. What is the pain? What is the offense that they did to you? You don't have to write a paragraph. You don't have to write a page. You can just write a statement. And don't minimize it and don't maximize it. Don't exaggerate the situation. Don't minimize the situation. Just call it out for what it is. This person did this to me and it's created a pain in me and, I, and I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart because of it. It could be a very simple thing if somebody said something or looked at you a certain way and it's a minor offense. It could be a very significant offense that you've carried for decades. But name the person, name the pain. Call it out for what it is, just name it. Then the second thing, once you've done that, and to best of your knowledge, you don't have any other unforgiveness in your heart, you've listed it on that page, then the second thing is to release it. To release it to God. 
to go to God and say, God, I've allowed this unforgiveness to harbor my heart for far too long. I, I see the effects of what it's been bringing into my heart and even into my family. I don't want this anymore. God, I, I choose to release it to you now. And I know that you are just and you will make it right. And God, I don't want to carry this anymore. So I'm releasing this person from the weight of the offense. I'm releasing it to you, God, to do what is right. I just don't want to carry this around. I don't want this to define me anymore. Now you may say, well, Craig, is, is that it? I mean, if I just do it that, that one time, then it's over. I won't remember it anymore. Boy, wouldn't that be great, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if it just did once and boom, it was done. But honestly, uh, that's not the case. The, our enemy has a great way of bringing back, playing the tape in full surround sound of the offense that happened to us and how I feel and conjuring up all those old feelings. So you have to release it every time it comes to mind. Every time that offense comes to mind, I say, Lord, I release that to you. And Lord, I've released that person. I'm not carrying this around anymore. I release it to you. Thank you. I do this in Jesus' name. And then you move forward. And what you'll find is that, that you may have to do that every five minutes. And then it, if you keep doing it, persistent, then it's every 30 minutes. Then it's every couple hours. Then it's only twice a day. Then it's only a couple of times a week. Then it's only once a month. And then what you'll find is one day you're free. You're free. That offense no longer has any place in your heart. And God has uprooted the source of this, this pain in your life. You have to name it. You have to release it. I think this is why Jesus said 70 times 7. It may take you 490 times before you finally have this released in your life. But then the last thing is to leave it. To leave it. Once I release it to the Lord and I'm releasing it every time it, the, it comes to mind, I need to intentionally leave it, to leave it alone, right? So I don't keep bringing it back up to my spouse. Well, I forgave you. Remember, I forgave you about that. Remember, you know, I'm so, I keep forgiving you. Remember how I did that last time? Just leave it. Forget it. Leave it. Leave it. Don't bring it up to that other person that you've forgiven. And by the way, sometimes forgiveness doesn't even mean that you tell the other person that you've forgiven them. Sometimes people go, well, I heard a message on forgiveness. So I'm coming up. I'm giving you all the long list that you did to offend me. And I'm going to tell you that all this long list and how terrible you are, I've forgiven you for that. And they're like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. I think that is unwise. And this is my opinion. I think that's unwise because that person is probably not thinking anything about it anyway. And then when they go, what are you talking about? Then you have another offense and you have to start it all over again. So just leave it, leave it to God, leave it to that person. Now, if that person comes up to you later and says, oh, dear friend, you know what? When I said that to you, I was so wrong. I was so out of line. Then you can turn to them and say, it's okay. I forgave you. A long time ago I never carried that in my heart but you have to leave it leave it uh, uh, don't bring it up to that other person don't bring it up to anyone else around you don't bring it up to yourself by the grace of God release it to his capable hands you see lasting relationships practice forgiveness. This is an ongoing practice. You say, well, Craig, I, I just don't feel like I could ever really do that. I don't think that I could really forgive like that. And you know what? You're probably right. You're right. You can't do it on your own. And that's why there's verse 32. He says, uh, forgive just as God also forgave you in Christ. You see, 
the power of forgiveness comes in realizing just how much you've been forgiven. See, forgiveness is at the heart of the gospel. Forgiveness is that thread that runs all the way from Genesis to Revelation. Forgiveness is at the core of why Christ came. Because we have offended a holy, good God. Our creator who loves us and knows us and wired us to know him and walk with him and worship him and exalt him. We have gone our own way. We have done our own thing. And we've offended God. And, and there's been a breach in that relationship. And yes, we deserve justice, but God in his love toward you and his love toward me, instead of bringing the hammer down, he just sent Christ down. And Christ came and he walked the earth, he demonstrated the love of the Father, he went to the cross. And on that cross, it's, it's as if Jesus stood in between the wrath of God and our sinfulness. He took our bullet. He took our place. He jumped in the way. He absorbed the wrath of God on himself. He was buried. And he rose again for one reason, and that was to bring reconciliation and forgiveness. The Bible says that through the blood of Christ, he covers our sin. He, the Bible says that he wipes it clean. Psalmist says that he throws our sin into the deepest part of the ocean that can never be retrieved again. Uh, Micah says that he removes as far as the east is from the west. Listen, God removes and forgives us our sin. Aren't you so glad we have a forgiving God? a loving God, then my friends, when you know that, now you understand how to forgive. When you have received the gift of forgiveness, then you can understand how to extend it to others. Lasting relationships practice forgiveness by the power of God and by His Spirit. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. You may be here today and you are not able to forgive and that is because really you've never received forgiveness. That's your first stop. That's your first step. To say, you know what, I need to be forgiven. I, I realize now my own sinfulness, my own waywardness, my own bent towards sin and, wayward and, and, and wickedness in my own life and I don't, I don't even deserve to be right with God. But he loved you so much that he sent Christ for you to wipe your sin away, to make you a new person. And he loves you. And maybe right now, you need to say, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I need to be made new. I need you to take away this anger and this bitterness inside of me. And Lord, I need you to replace it with a new heart. You can do that right now. I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith. And today can be your day to start over. Today can be your day to have your sin wiped away. Today, today can be your day to start anew. Come, let us reason together, say the Lord, though your sin is as scarlet, it can be as white as snow. Though as red as crimson, it can be as wool. Today's your day. 
So with your heads bowed right where you are, just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. And so I'm asking you, please forgive me. Please wipe away my sin. Please make me a new person. Today I choose to follow you. And Lord, give me the grace to forgive. Just as you have forgiven me. Father, I pray for every family, every person in this room. Lord, we all have work to do in this area of forgiveness. So Lord, search our hearts. Find those areas in our life where we've not yet fully forgiven. And Lord, help us to forgive. Lord, release us from this pain of our past so that we can be good forgivers in our home, in our church, in the world. And we can be mirrors that broadly reflect you, Lord. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.